If you take your Bibles um, and turn to Mark chapter 13, um, holding a Bible in our hand or in a tablet or device, wherever, wherever it's contained, holding that Bible this morning is one of the expressions, one of the great expressions of God's goodness. He has blessed us so much in giving us his word. And in this case, um, part of the story of the Lord Jesus Christ and part of his message um, during his earthly ministry found here in Mark chapter 13. And remember, as we've been going through this, um, this gospel, this good news account uh, from Mark, whose who's who's plan in setting it up and putting it together in, in recording this was so that his readers, including us, could know who Jesus, the Son of God, is. There are a lot of things being said about Jesus today that we don't know where they got that information, all right? But we have the Gospels. We have these four accounts. And in these accounts, we find out who Jesus really is. And one of the things that that we're seeing um, in this particular section of Mark is Jesus' ministry during his last week of ministry in this earth, on this earth. This, This chapter, chapter 13, occurs during that last week, just before his going to the cross to die for our sins. So this is a very, very um, important time in his life, and you'll see some of the things as we look at this particular chapter. And, and, and remember this, I'm going to read the entire chapter this morning because there's just no way to break it up, all right? Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to preach through the whole thing this morning, okay? So I want you to I want you to be relaxed while we read this. Not not getting tense. No, no, no. This is going to take us forever. Okay, it may take us forever, but not all today. Okay, so hear hear the word of the Lord Jesus during the last week of his life, Matthew or Mark chapter thirteen. As he was leaving, speaking of Jesus, as he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, "Look, teacher, what massive stones!" What magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, now he left Jerusalem, went over to the Mount of Olives. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise, up, will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of the birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. 
Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give, light, give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be, will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven, of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twig gets tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going away. He leaves his house in charge of his servants, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. That is heavy. This is sobering news in the midst of good news. This is the gospel. This this letter is called, or this, this story, this account of Jesus' life is called the Gospel of Mark, the good news about Jesus written by Mark. And this is a heavy, hard part of the good news. Starting with something amazing, something beautiful. The temple at this time in Jesus' day was beautiful. It was remember it was the rebuilt temple. Remember the temple had been destroyed and then it was rebuilt after the captivity of Israel in Babylon. It was rebuilt again. 
And it was glorious, massive and beautiful. And the disciples, you know, as they were, as they were you know, walking and talking and, and getting ready to leave Jerusalem, they were just amazed by it and, and made comments. And Jesus used that comment to remind them of some very heavy truths that were coming down and that were going to affect their lives and our lives. Now remember, as Jesus is making these prophecies, he's doing it just like he had always done before, even from the Old Testament. And remember, I say Jesus did it from the Old Testament also because it was the spirit of Jesus that was inspiring those prophets to write their prophecies. All right? We talked about it in our in our. Uh, Bible study class this morning at 9.30, how, you know, there, there's a movement right now among, among some Christians, uh, they call themselves red-letter Christians. And they're the ones who say that the most important part of the Bible is the red-letter parts. And that's those editions of the Bible that have the words of Jesus in red. Well, I want you to know, according to the Scripture, according to the very red letters of Jesus, all of the Bible is red-letter. Every bit of it. You know, a, a couple of weeks ago, we read a passage that he was quoting from da- from David, King David. Remember what he said about that? Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Throughout the scripture, we're reminded of that. So everything is Jesus' word. And these prophecies that Jesus is giving, a, giving us here are only part of the prophecies of the things that are going to happen in the end. And in almost all of the prophecies, he says something that's going to affect the current reader or listener and then something that's going to happen at the end of time. And this is no, uh, no exception to that. Some of the things that he's talking about, his very disciples that he's speaking to, these five guys, because remember, he's not even talking to the whole group. He's just talking to a subset of them who, who came privately to ask him. They did that from time to time. Just got together with him and just asked these questions. So here Jesus, in answering these particular disciples, starts to explain what's going to happen, and this is heavy news for them. He'll get into it in some more detail later, later on the next day because in the Lord, during the Lord's Supper time in John chapters 13 through 17, he repeats some of these things about what's going to ha- what these guys are going to go through and how they're going to get through it because the Holy Spirit is going to be living in them. That's how they're, that's how they're going to be able to do what he's telling them is going to happen to them. And so let's look just this morning for a few minutes at some of the things that his apostles are going to endure for his sake and for his glory in their lives. And we sang a little bit ago about if, if we ever have to suffer, well, sometimes we do and sometimes they did, and this is how Jesus helped prepare them for some difficulties they were going to face. Look what he says. Verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, and remember, if you, if you go today to the Mount of Olives and you stand there, you can look right over the wall of Jerusalem into the Temple Mount area. So he had a great view of the whole thing as he was telling them this story. So coming back from what they had just said about how great the, the buildings are and how not one stone is going to be left on top of the other, he said, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? 
And Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of the birth pains. We're, in the, we're still in the beginning of the birth pains. These, these things that he's talking about sound very familiar, don't they? They sound very much like last night's news or tomorrow's news. We can predict that. Or last week's news. These things are happening. And these are still the beginnings of the birth pains. Now, I'm not one that can speak firsthand about the birth pains. I'm not going to pretend to. But I have heard. I have been told that there's, there's all different kinds of levels of these things. And sometimes they start a few days out before the real labor begins. And eat, but even the, even the beginnings of them are tough and hard. And we think, well, how long are these birth pains going to last? And, and, you know, you talk to some women, they, they started with those a few days before they gave birth. And remember, in the Lord's time, and he tells us, Peter reminds us of this in Second Peter chapter 3, with the Lord, a day is like what? A thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. You know where that puts us? Somewhere in day three. You know, and, and he reminds us, we're not going to get to this today, but he reminds us later in this, in this very passage. Nobody knows the hour. Nobody knows the day. Nobody knows when, when, when the day of the Lord, which we read about in Amos this morning, nobody knows when that time period is going to begin. But we know that we're in the birth pains. We know that because the, his very apostles were in the birth pains. And now he gets specific about what's going to happen with them during this period of time known as the birth pains. He says, you must be on your guard. Verse 9, you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. Nobody, nobody wants to hear that about their future. Being, being, you know, facing the council is one thing, but being flogged, that's a whole other thing. Jesus was about to experience that himself. And we read in the, in the book of Acts how various of the apostles were flogged for their work, for their work and their, their dedication and their devotion to Christ, their belief in Christ, their, the fact they wouldn't stop talking about him. One time, you'll remember in the book of Acts, when they were about to be released and the, the leaders, the authorities said, okay, we're going to let you guys go. Just don't talk about Jesus anymore. You know what they said? Can't make any promises. You decide what's better, to obey men like you or believe in God. So we're going to talk about Jesus. That's who we are. That's what we do. And this is what they got for it in this world, in this life. They got arrested. They got put before the councils. They got flogged. He's warning them. He's telling them. He's preparing them. He says, on account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. 
And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. And they were going to be a part of that. We don't have, we don't have records, all of the records in Scripture. We have, we have uh, the Apostle Paul's record of how far he got going to all the world. And then the, the, the traditions, the other non-biblical history tells us that different ones of the apostles went to all different parts of the world preaching the gospel. They were a part of this. And he says, whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. And he's going to get into this again later in, that, in this week. In the, in the Gospel of John, he explains it to them, how he was going to use the Holy Spirit in their lives for them to remember everything that he taught them. That's how they were able to write these Gospels. That's how they were able to write these epistles in the, in the New Testament because the Holy Spirit spoke through them and used them in this way. And that's, that's what their ministry was going to be during this period of the birth pains. And he, can, and he encouraged them not to give up as he continues on. Brother will betray brother to death. A father and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. How will they be saved? In these terrible times of birth pains? They're going to be saved because of where Jesus was on his way to. They'll be saved because their trust is in this one who is going now to lay his life down on the cross for them and for all who will believe in him through their ministry. That includes us. The way of salvation is never earned. They weren't earning their salvation by going through these difficult times, but they were showing evidence of their salvation as they would endure these things for the sake of Christ. We live in a time and place, both, that we have it pretty good when it comes to these birth pains. Oh, we, we, face, the, we face some of the natural disasters that he describes that are going to be taking place during this time. And those are difficult and those are hard and those are tragic. But even worse are the places in the world where even today these things are taking place, where, where people are being killed because of their faith in Christ, because they've been turned into the authorities by their own family members, their own close friends who used to think they were great until they met Christ and started living for Christ, and that, now they're messing up everything in their, in their, in their community, and so they're, they're reported and they're killed. It's happening today. But all of us, regardless of what circumstances we have to go through, and again, I praise God, I don't know about you, but I praise God for the relative peace that we have in the United States right now. I praise God for the rights that we have according to the Constitution that we get to do what we're doing here this morning without having to report into the authorities. I'm really thankful for that. But if it ever changes, and it could, we see pieces of that happening around us where people are losing their jobs or being demoted in their jobs or being forced out and all those kind of things. See, lots of those kind of things happening. 
regardless of what might happen in the future, we can take Jesus' admonition to his apostles to our own hearts. Say, Lord, give me the strength. Grow me in my faith that if it ever did come to what the apostles had to go through and what many around the world are going through even today, may I also continue to stand for you and honor you as yours. May my testimony remain consistent and true even in the face of grave difficulties. Not to save me, but because that's what I would do because I am saved. Because I have put my trust in Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit has come into my life. These men did it. Some of them, the, the, the Apostle John, for instance, some of them ended up living long lives after this and serving the Lord for, for many years. Some of them, the Apostle James, in that first year, he was beheaded for his faith in Christ. Whatever the case, we also need to be on our guard during this time period of the birth pains. We'll talk in the coming weeks about the things that happen after these birth pains, but right now this is where we are. Let us be ready. Let us be prepared. One of the, one of the reasons that we get together for these Sunday morning worship services, one of the reasons that we get together for Bible studies is that we would continue to grow in our faith so that we are ready whenever any of these kinds of things happen. All kinds of difficulties, but also persecution as, as a supreme difficulty, that we would be ready when these things happen. The other, kinds of, the other kinds of difficulties that we face, health issues and relationship issues and financial issues and all the things that, that affect us, and, and when those things are going against us, when those things are, are hurting us, those, those are also a type of persecution. The, um, the book of Job is an example of that. Even though he was living before the, the birth pains were starting, there were still tough times in his life. And do you remember why he suffered those things? Because Satan was persecuting him. Satan was specifically you know, picking him out, and, and God said, well, I know that he's going to continue to serve me. I know that he's going to continue to praise me, so go ahead. Just don't kill him. That was persecution from Satan himself. And so some of the things that we face during this time period, excuse me, some of the things that we face during this time period of the birth pains is, is, is a different kind of persecution where Satan and his demons are working against us in various ways. But, again, our preparation for those, for those attacks is what we do every week, is what we do every day by staying in the Word of God. And so as Jesus is here preparing his apostles for the things that are ahead for them, we also are being prepared in the same way because of God's faithfulness to us to bring us this word. And so, as we share together in the Lord's Supper this morning, some of you noticed when you walked in that we have the table set up in the back and the guys who are going to serve that can please make their way to the table at this time. We are going to celebrate what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us, not only to prepare us for the times that we live in, but more importantly, and most importantly, to prepare us for eternity. 
we celebrate what Jesus did for us by sharing together in this bread and in this cup. This is a, a, a service that we have among each other as a reminder. Jesus told his disciples, again, later this very same week, when he gave this, when he gave this message, he told his disciples that when we get together, he wants us to share together in the bread and share together in the cup to remember him and what he has done for us. That's why we ask, and you don't have to be a member of Midway Community Church, but we ask that you, that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we'd encourage you to, to participate with us this morning in this time of sharing together, in this time of remembering what the Lord has done for us. And so maybe you've come to faith in Christ this morning. Maybe today is the day you've said, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Then I would encourage you, even if that's the case for you, take that bread. And as we hold the bread, you guys can go ahead and come and pass it out. As you hold the bread... Think of what Jesus has done for you. Think of what he's forgiven you of. And think maybe also of, any, of anything that you, may, that you may not have confessed. I'm going to grab one of these for me, Ron. Thank you. As you're, as you're holding this bread and, and, and thinking about what God has done for you, think, is there anything that I haven't confessed to the Lord? Anything that I've been hanging on to? Any sin I've been hanging on to? And give that to him. Confess that to him right now as we hold, as we hold the bread. And then I'll come back up in a moment and lead us in the eating of the bread together. This little piece of bread um, doesn't save us. Uh, We're not forgiven of our sins because we eat of it. What saves us is what Jesus did for us on the cross when his body, symbolized by this bread, was broken for us. He was perfect. He was sinless. We are not. When he went to the cross, he told his disciples, that his, his body was being broken for them, for us. And so we recognize his sacrifice on the cross, his, the breaking of his body on the cross for us as we take this bread. This is, uh, this is us agreeing with what the gospel says, that we depend on Jesus completely and utterly for our forgiveness, for our salvation. This is our identification with his sacrifice on the cross for us and our remembering that he did this for us. Let's pray together and remember the work of Christ. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for helping prepare your disciples and us for these days of birth pains. We thank you that you have also prepared us for the eternity that will follow. And so we give you thanks today 
as we eat this bread, we remember, Jesus, that your body was broken for us, that you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so we give you thanks today as we eat of this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat of the bread together. In the same way now, we're going to take the cup. As we hold the cup, we're going to remember the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. All the blood of the sacrifices that had gone before were symbolic of the one-time sacrifice that was going to be made by the Lord himself. And so when Jesus, the Son of God, died on that cross, his blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's hold this cup now and remember him, and then we'll drink of it together. God had some pretty harsh things to say to Israel um, through Amos. We read some of that this morning. As he warned them what the day of the Lord was going to be like. And remember, there were always there were always aspects of those prophecies that were going to happen in their own time and in their own experience. And then there were some that were going to happen later, which, are, which we're still waiting on. But one of the things that he said is, I despise your assemblies. I don't like the sound of your noise because he knew where their hearts were. The Apostle Paul said something similar to the Corinthians about that church when they gathered together to celebrate the Lord's Supper because they had gotten to the place where uh, they were bringing bringing in these great meals to celebrate the Lord's Supper and in in the serving of those meals, they were comparing who brought what. And so-and-so, you know, did a real nice spread. And somebody, I don't even think she brought anything, you know. And, and they were having these kind of comments, this kind of, this kind of, of attitude. And then they were, they were also, you know, commenting on people who were getting in line first and, and, and all those kind of things. And they, didn't, they don't deserve to go first. I, we, we ought to be going first. You know, we brought the good stuff or, we, you know, we gave the most money. All these kind of things were happening in church. And Paul said, you aren't even worthy to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Look at your own hearts. Don't eat and drink judgment on yourselves. 
But seek the Lord. Come to him with a clean heart, having confessed your sins. Come to him remembering what he has done for you, not trying to earn some position in your church. It's part of the reason we do it so simply today, to keep us from falling into those kinds of things. But we still do. And so it's always important for us on Paul's warning to really consider our hearts as we drink this cup and remember what Christ has done for us. Let's bow together in prayer before we drink of it. Heavenly Father, we confess to you that we are not worthy of this bread and of this cup. It reminds us of what the Lord Jesus went through for us. And we take sin so lightly sometimes in our own lives. We confess that to you, and we confess to you now silently our sins to you. And we thank you for the promise that you made that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. It's because of that, Jesus, that we come to you and we remember your shed blood for us. We thank you in your strong name, Jesus, the Son of God. Amen.